Thank you for listening to a Christ-centered message from Grace Community Church. We are committed to proclaiming the authority of God's Word without apology and trust that you will receive encouragement as we study today's passage together. This morning, um, I want to share with you from God's Word from Acts 2 about... uh, um, a church that had an uncommon joy. Joy is a uh, joy, happiness, happy. Yeah, it's just it's something that we talk a lot about it, and um, and our culture. We as families, as churches, we are always talking about being happy and being joyful. We want to experience this. And uh, (laughs) it's very interesting because this world is messed up. And together with the world, we are kind of messed up. And um, (laughs) it's interesting. You, You go to a soccer game which is real football, you know, but I said soccer because I know I'm in America, so I got it. But so you go to a soccer game, you walk in this huge stadium, you know. I remember when I was a child and, and I still was going, you know, for you know, when I was a teenager and 60,000 people. I mean, I was so joyful, so happy, so excited. And they were not drunk, okay, because you cannot, in, in Romania, you cannot get in a stadium if you're drunk, okay. Um, so, um, but they were so joyful, so happy eh, for a stupid ball. She's going from one, you know, one side to the other. And, you know, when, and it was funny because when that ball was like entering a, like a gate, it was like everybody was like jumping around and just so happy and you know, and it, it's just America. It's a culture even more entertained than the one in Romania. Uh, you know, just being in the states for six weeks now. Uh, I mean, you have Monday soccer, Tuesday softball, Thursday baseball. Uh, I don't know, Friday cricket ball. I don't know. <laughs> So much stuff, and I mean, families are involved in all of this. And I was wondering, I was actually wondering. I mean, is it, is it because people are looking for joy? That's why they like do all of this. Because <laughs> what I've seen was actually a lot of the families coming from all those entertainment places. They were like so tired, and a lot of them just fighting and upset. Especially because some of them lost, but I, I grew up in a socialist country. I'm still part of a socialist country. Now it's social democrat, but it's still socialist. And it's kind of like America, you know. I mean, lately. So, but I, I grew up like that. And the worst part was not just being social, I mean, in a socialist country, was to have an Eastern Orthodox context. People are very sad, depressed, you know, all these. And, and, I, and I got saved when I was a teenager. 
And I was expecting, I was thinking that when I will walk in churches where people found Jesus, there will be joy, real joy. I mean, that excitement, that passion, that enthusiasm, that is just contagious. But it, it did not take me a long time to realize that people are just sad. And, and maybe that's why they're looking, you know, for happiness in soccer and, and just so many drinking and so many other, you know, things. And I was thinking maybe because of that context, you know, socialist country and Eastern Orthodox country, maybe that's the reason that the churches are sad. But I don't think that's the case. I don't think that's the reason that people in the churches are like that. Okay, again, American context is a little bit different. The culture, you know, people are from nature, you will say, as a culture, you know, they're a little bit more happy. They smile a lot, though sometimes you don't know why they're smiling, but they're smiling. So, <laughs> uh, But you know, I've been staying a lot with American families, and they will smile nice at you at church. But after that, you go back in their homes with their homes, with their families, and it's not the same joy. It's not the same smile. So... You know, observing all of this, Romania, America, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm wondering why. You know, why, why there's not joy when we found Jesus. And for me, joy is not just, you know, smiling and, you know, uh, like, you know, taking drugs or whatever, you know, <laughs> just like that. But it's, it's that excitement, it's that passion, is that willingness to sacrifice whatever it takes. A passion that has no boundaries. You know, it's just, it, uh, it, it's like you want to put clothes on somebody that is joyfully just closer, just like going like that. It's just so much enthusiasm. Okay? And yeah, I know, you know, psychology is trying to say to us, it's, you know, personality type and stuff like that. And, and, uh, and it is. You know, some people are more outgoing and some people are more, you know, quiet. But I've seen joyful people that are quiet and passionate and ready to die for Christ and change the life of people around them. And I saw people like me, you know, <laughs> yeah, enthusiasm. And you can see that outside, you know. Um, so this morning, I, wanna, I, wanna, I want to get with you guys to think about this. And going to Acts 2, where we find a church that was living like that, with an uncommon joy. It's, look even at the end of the chapter, it, in 2, it says that they were joyful being together. So I want to I wanna look at the text and, and, and basically ask this question, you know. Um, and the question is... How can we live with such unusual joy like this church? Okay, let's read the text, and, and after that, we'll dive into it. Please follow in your Bibles. I'll read it in tongues, the tongues of Romanians. In, um, I'll read it from the Romanian version. 
Ei stăruiau în învățătura apostolilor, în părtășie, în frângerea pâinii și în rugăciuni. Fiecare suflet era plin de frică, iar prin apostol se făceau multe minuni și semne. Toți cei ce credeau erau împreună și aveau toate în comun. Ei își vindeau proprietățile și averile, iar banii îi împărțeau între toți în funcție de cum avea nevoie fiecare. În fiecare zi, continuau să se întâlnească în templu, frângeau pâine acasă și împărțeau mâncarea cu bucurie și cu inimi sincere. Îl lăudau pe Dumnezeu și aveau parte de bunăvoința întregului popor. Și Domnul adăuga în fiecare zi la numărul lor pe cei ce erau mântuiți. Amen. Amen. So we have here what's known by us the birth of the church. Okay? So the blessing that God has been promising to Abraham and, and the light on that is given by Paul in Galatians 3. When it says the blessing promised to Abraham came, and that's the Holy Spirit. So that blessing, that promise that God had made to Abraham came, and it came and is recorded in Luke 2 about it. And the Holy Spirit came, and we have the birth of the church, the new Israel, the new people of God, the new nation. Okay? And... Uh, So we look at this passage and we basically see what happened that day. And, and Luke says, Peter was preaching, he was preaching boldly, and 3,000 people came to know the Lord. 3,000 people. When was the last time when you saw that happening? Huh? 3,000 people. So the text that I read is basically a description of those 3,000 people, new converts, that were added to the numbers of the apostles and they formed the first church, the first baby church, whatever. But it's a church that is powerful and we should learn from it. This new community. So how were they leaving? How in the world was it possible for them to leave with such an unusual joy? And the first thing that, that Luke says is that They were living like this because they were showing an uncommon dedication. In verse, verses 42-43 says, And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. They dedicated themselves. They, they, they poured all, all their lives and energy and, 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 and everything they were In, in, in that, and in, in, in Luke talks about four things. They devoted to the apostles' teaching. They devoted to fellowship. They devoted to breaking of bread. And they devoted themselves to prayer. So this dedication, it, it was not just something, you know, I don't know, when we think about dedication, we, we think of something, I don't know, just... I dedicated myself to the Lord, you know, and I go back home and I live the way I did it before. But the dedication that Luke talks about it here is that dedication of the people that they died for this fate. They died for what they were dedicated to. 
you know, Hebrews 10, for example, it talks about those new converts. The homes were taken away from them. Families were, you know, broken apart. Some of them died in horrible deaths. You know, I mean, I just wonder today if, if, if a persecution like that will come, how many of us will be dedicated to come each Sunday here? That tells a lot about our fate. So when you look at their dedication, their dedication was to the end, brothers and sisters. To the end. They were ready to die. So they had the joy they had because they had the dedication they had. They were ready to die for the faith. They were ready to die for Jesus, the object of their faith. It says, and, 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 all or amazement came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. Why? Why all of this? Because of verse 42. Because they devoted themselves to those four things. What caused that? Their dedication. You know, it's interesting. Some of our, some of our contemporaries might have wished it was written like that like, or like this. And they all began to have all sorts of discoveries and revelations and new and fresh words were spoken through all the disciples of Jesus. But it doesn't say that. Luke says that when the Spirit of God came upon them, those 3,000 people dedicated themselves to the apostles' teachings. You cannot separate the work of the Spirit from the work of the Word of God. So the, the, the apostles were teaching the Old Testament, which was scriptures for them. So they were teaching the, the, the Bible, what's for us now. So when, when the Holy Spirit comes, do you see what happens? People are in love with the Word of God, and they believe it's sufficient for everything. And they dedicate themselves to that. And again, we live in a context, 21st century, when, when people are going to say something like this. And it happened to me. It was a, a charismatic German guy, and he said, I did not read my Bible for years. I meet Jesus every day. What's wrong with you? You read your Bible every day. That's what he said to me. But hey, listen, we, we live in times like this. We are tempted to live that way. And you go back to what Luke records here, and it's not just this in the New Testament. You only see the work of the Spirit is together with the work of the Word of God. You cannot separate them. You know what? Do you know how the Spirit it fills us? In Ephesians 5, it fills us by filling, with the, filling us with the Word of God. That's how he, he fills us. He fills us with Jesus. Because he's, he's fulfilling the promises of Jesus. In, in John, when, when Jesus talks about the, the, the Spirit of God that will come, the Helper, He says, But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, He will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have, have said to you. What Jesus said, He says, When the Holy Spirit comes, He will point to you one name, and that name is Jesus, my name. 
And it's interesting because we live times when people talk so much about the Spirit. And they say, we have the Spirit. But Jesus says, when the Spirit comes, He will talk about me. About Jesus. The Word. The living Word. The Logos. So we should taste that. You know, that's a way of actually seeing if it's the Spirit of God or if it's just a Spirit. Yeah. They were devoted to the Word of God. Maybe... That's why they are joyful. And maybe that's why we are not joyful. Because we try medicines and we try drugs and we try that for anxiety and depression. We try that and that. We go to that specialist. And we no, never go to the specialist with a capital S, which is Jesus. And he presents himself through the word of God. And that's why we're not happy. That's why we're so horrible. Because happiness comes through the word of God. You know, the psalmist says, my only joy is to, and my only happiness, it's you. Yeah. And after that, it, the Luke doesn't stop here. It says they were not just devoted to the word of God. They were devoted to fellowship. Yeah. They were so excited to be together every day. I mean, I mean, they were anticipating that time together. And I don't know about you, but when I read scriptures, I, I like closing my eyes and just imagining, you know, like going back in those times and just imagining. I mean, just imagine the, their joy, you know, waking up in the morning and, ah, today there's another day. I'll see my brothers and sisters and they'll be so happy and so excited. Yeah. They didn't work that, you know, last night. It's okay. They come happy at the church, right? Amen, brother? <laughs> we have a brother that didn't work, that uh, didn't sleep last night. He worked. And he was anticipating this time. Yeah, but that's how they were. They were anticipating to be together. How did you come today to church? Oh, i got to go to church again. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, there's so many people that call, call themselves Christians, but they don't come to church. Uh, can you imagine a conversation like this? And I, I just, I came up with a conversation between John and Timothy. Okay, Tim. From, from first century. Okay, I'll bring it to you. John, I, have, I, haven't, I, have seen, um, I haven't seen you at church for a while. Why aren't you coming to the church anymore? I do not need to. I can leave my Christianity alone at home. I, 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 I have Bible study every day, and even with my family. I don't need to come to church. So you really don't want to come anymore to church? So how are you going to break the bread, you know, Lord's Supper? How are you going to do that? Oh, team, I can do that. I do not need Peter or James to do it for me. I can do it myself. I can break the bread. I don't need Peter to do it. But what are you going to do with your children if the good Lord will save their soul? Who is going to baptize them? Oh, I'll do it myself. Why not? I'm the prophet of the family. Yeah. I can go to the river and I can baptize them myself. I don't need Peter to do that. John, but what are you going to do if you get sick? Who is going to pray for you? Oh, Timothy, Jesus will. He's the mediator. I don't need Peter. I don't need James. I don't need any of those elders to pray for me. 
Jesus will pray. I'll pray. John, let me ask you one more question. What is your family going to do if you, you know, die? Did you think about this? Oh, Timothy, the church will help them out. They always do. Brothers and sisters, can you imagine a conversation like this in the first century, you know, the text that we read this morning? Can you imagine a conversation like this? No. But isn't it isn't interesting that we hear conversations like this happening a lot around us? Today, so many people calling themselves Christians but never go to church. How can that be? Sharing in with other believers and loving them with, with always verify our vertical relationship. How can you say that we love God and rejoice in Him when we do not care for those that are called our brothers and hardly drag our feet at church? How in the world can that happen? If you do not care, if you do not love those that are called your brothers and sisters, you, you are calling them like that. If you don't love them, if you don't care for them, you, you don't love God. And John says that in, in, in his first epistle. You cannot. This, on horizontal, is going to verify this on vertical. If this doesn't function, it's not working, then you don't have this. And we have to, we have to think about this. And the third thing they were dedicated to was this remembrance, this breaking of bread. It, Luke talks about breaking bread twice, here once and after that at the end of the chapter the second time. I think this time he's mentioning this, talking about the Lord's Supper. It's their time together, they study the word, they fellowship, and in that fellowship this centrality of the Christ is present. In their gatherings, they, they stop and think about the gospel of Christ. They, they stop and think about his death. And they remember about that. And after that, the last one is that they, or de, they were devoted to prayer. And, yeah, we simplified prayer so much. It's just, and we, I don't know if we stop and just ask some real questions about prayer. For example, we, 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 we say we pray for other people, okay? How can you pray for other people when you don't even know their names? Okay, I mean, you know, you go to churches and there are people, you know, coming to churches for some of them for years. And you ask them, you know, can you name 20 people from your church? They can hardly do that. Okay, how can you pray for somebody if you don't know that person? So, you know, the, the challenge is this. is not just to know the name of the person, but know about the person. You know, how's your life? How's your week? You know, I, I heard that, you know, one of your kids was, was sick. How is he feeling now? How is your wife? You know, how is your work? I, I heard that, you know, some of the, some of the people that were colleagues with you, they lost their job. Are you in danger of that? Uh, I, I saw you that you walked to the church. It, it, did your car broke? C can I help? Can I pray for that? You know, I mean, they were devoted to prayer. They were devoted to prayer because they knew each other. <laughs> yes. 
They knew their needs, and we're going to see that in a minute. They, they, knew, they knew their requests. They knew their happiness. You know, they knew things that were joyful and, 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 and things that God was doing in their lives. They knew each other very well. We need communities, Christian communities that are like this today, that know each other. And after that, yes, I think those communities can be called communities of prayer. But if that doesn't happen, how can we have prayer? How can we devote to prayer? How can we devote to one to another, to fellowship? Dear church, why don't we experience the same uncommon joy? Perhaps we should speak the word of Christ more to each other. Maybe we should have more real fellowship and not just social time. Maybe we should make the gospel more central in our gatherings. Maybe we should pray more. Maybe we should learn to pray more. And don't forget, this is not just a, a community thing, because community is made by persons, by people. So it, there's, a, there's, some, there's some personal questions here also, individual questions. How much time do you spend in the Word this week? How much time do you expect to be with your brothers and sisters each time when you gather? How, how dear are they to your heart? How much do you care for them? How much do you pray for them? How much do you love them? After that, the second thing presented by Luke in this text is that they were setting forth an uncommon generosity. That's why they had an uncommon joy. Luke says, And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling, listen to this, they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. So Luke describes here the unity in two ways. They were together and they had all things in common. <laughs> they were generous in the interaction with each other and with their belongings. They were together, that means they were putting time into it. And, and they had all things in common, that means, that means they were ready to give as much as they could. You know, America, when you say time, you say what? Money, right? I remember when I came 22 years ago, there was a pastor and he told me, he said, money, uh, time means money, so time is precious. And, and, and Luke is pretty modern. You know, he, he <laughs> the Spirit knew the times, okay? And the way Luke wrote this, he said, if you, if you are generous, you are generous with time and money. And um, I don't know about you. You know, sometimes it's easier just to write a check and give $100 to, some, to something. But it's, it's harder to put three hours aside And just go and pray with a brother. Just go and stay with him. You don't even have to say anything. Just be there with him. He's suffering. He just found out that he has cancer. Just stay there with him. Oh, it's losing of time. I can do, you know, in three hours I can do 20 disciples. <laughs> I can share the gospel with so many people. Hmm. It's a challenge, right? 
a challenge. It's a challenge. Time. You know, how much time do you give to your community, your church that God has been placing you? You know, how generous are you with that? What this community was, of faith was practicing was not a primitive form of socialism, but a generosity of heart towards the needs of those that belong to Christ together with them, same body. Why is it easier for a Christian in 21st century to write a check to a foreign orphan that he found about it, you know, from Romania, and gave $500 for that orphan, then go to somebody from his church that just lost job and he has six kids, so how in the world is he going to take care of them and just go and spend time with them and ask questions, how can I help you? How many, how many times do we hear of Christians that had three cars and they decided to sell one car and the money to give to somebody to have a surgery that they could not afford to pay for? Or how many times do we hear a family that has three cars, they need only one or maybe two, and have one car given to a family that doesn't have any? And they use, it, they use public transportation. And I think they need a car because they just, you know, they just had another baby. I mean, brothers and sisters, how much do we know about our needs? And if we know about our needs, how much are we generous to open our hearts to those needs? You know, the New Testament, and, and Paul especially, he talks about, he talks about in Philippians 2, um, in Galatians 6, excuse me, Galatians 6, 10 says it's to, be, to do good to all, especially to those who are of the household of faith. Yeah. Especially. So is it, is it good to write checks for associations that do, you know, do stuff with orphans? And yes, I, I did not say anything about, I mean, against that. But I said, how prompt are you to help those that are your brothers and sisters and their needs rather than, you know, have the tendency to help anybody from the world but nobody from the community of faith? What the New Testament says, we should be more prompted for that rather than that. It's nice to do both, and we're going to see this community doing both. But when you don't have the resources to do both, the priority is the community of faith. Hey, you have in front of you somebody that knows firsthand about this, and it's hard. Stuff on my heart. When you have few brothers in India, and I know you just had a missionary from India, and I've been in India several times, and uh, just five people that they want to plant a church, they're new believers, and they want to plant a church, that, but they don't have any money to do it. And you, and you go to churches and ask money to help you with that. 
And they say, no, because we just took some more orphans and we took some more widows. We have no idea who they are. They're not Christians. We know that. But we don't have time for church planting and for those brothers. And it's so heavy on my heart. Why are we so more prompted to give to social things than to planting churches? Why? I think when I look at this community, I see a community that is, is so open to the community of faith, to their brothers and sisters. They're willing to help them with whatever. And it's because their life is about a life that is lived together. And we should learn to live our lives together as churches. Amen? Last thing, and it's, <laughs> I'm even ashamed to go in this last point because it's so powerful. Luke says they were displaying an uncommon daily testimony. It says, day by day, that means every day, <laughs> they were going to the temple. Okay. You probably read this, but you probably didn't ask this question like I've never did. Why were they going to the temple? They were not Jewish people anymore, right? They were Christians. Jesus found them. They found the Messiah. They knew the Messiah. They, why in the world were they going to the temple? They are not Jewish people. Actually, Luke says that they were gathering in their homes. But here, at the end of the chapter, says they were, come, they were going daily to the temple. Why? Because they're witnessing to people. They're going to their brothers and sisters, talking about physical brothers and sisters, blood, that were Jewish people. And they were going to them and say, hey, we found Jesus. That guy that we crucified, he rose again. And he now lives in our hearts. He's the true Messiah that Isaiah preached about it. The prophet that Moses was talking about it. It's Jesus. Do you want to know him? So they were going every day to the temple where the Jewish people were worshiping to witness about Jesus. And they were excited about that. Every day. Would you imagine that? And, and, and things were not just ending here. It's, it looks as and and they were going in their homes and they were breaking bread. I don't think he's talking about breaking bread like he he did before taking the Lord's supper. I think he's actually talking here about feeding the people that they were coming with from the temple. So they were witnessing and they were sharing the gospel. And there were some people that did not have food. Did not have bread. So they will take those people in their homes and they will feed them. And they will share more about the word. The bread of life. Jesus. And, and how do I know that? Because Luke says, and because of that, God gave them favor to all people. And added more to their numbers daily. So that was the product of what they were doing. They were sharing Christ. They were taking them in their homes and sharing gospel with them. And God was bringing the joy of Christ in the cities that they were sharing the gospel with. This is in Jerusalem. But after that, when you go in Acts 8, you have Philip. He goes into Samaria and he started sharing the gospel in cities. 
And, and Luke says that the joy came into the city. And it was not the joy of the soccer game. It was the joy of Jesus. Because the joy of the apostles came into the city. And Christ came and brought salvation. And that joy of salvation came into the city. So Jerusalem was a happy place. <laughs> because they were witnesses. There were, there were people witnessing about Jesus. The real joy. You know, I, I am so ashamed when I look at this. Thinking about our communities and our lives. How, my, how many times do we stop to go to places where people worship and tell them about Jesus? How many times do we do that? Per year? Or should I say per life? How many times do we have non-Christians in our home sharing the gospel with them? Breaking bread, sharing the gospel with them. When was the last time when you had somebody in your home, non-Christian, and you shared the gospel with him and just had a good barbecue? Kansas City ribs. <laughs> ah. When was the last time when you did that? And maybe that's where... We are not joyful. We're so focused on us, on our needs, on our family, on our games, on our uh, TV shows. I was sharing uh, this morning, people asking us, how can you do all, all of this in your ministry? This past year, Martha and I watched only three movies the whole year. And we don't watch TV shows because we know they're addictive. You start one, you go to a second, a third, and you end up for years. Life is too short to spend it on TV shows. This is serious stuff. We are citizens of heaven. And we have to talk about heaven, not about earth. About Jesus that found us. And hey, this doesn't end here. You know why they were so passionate and joyful and they're witnessing and they're talking about Jesus? Because they saw all this in Jesus. The dedication, they saw it on Jesus. Jesus was so dedicated to the Father. To what end? Died. So that's why those people are ready to die. Because they saw Jesus dedicated to the end. Was Jesus generous? Oh my goodness. Do you know another person as generous as Jesus? No. Second Corinthians, Paul says, Christ is so generous that he became poor so you can become rich. That generous is, is Jesus. And talking about daily testimony, Jesus came to save the lost. He died. He was generous, so lost people like me and you be saved. So, you know, you decide this morning. You can look to the first community or you can even look beyond that and look to Jesus and see this uncommon dedication, uncommon generosity 
and an uncommon life lived for those that are lost. Brothers and sisters, I pray that the Lord will impact our lives with this message in such a way that we're going to live with an uncommon joy that is going to be lived out like this. Dedicated people. You know, it's not about just growing this community. Yeah, it would be nice to see more people coming and non-Christians, but it's about the kingdom of Christ. Not about our names. Yeah. Are, are, are you ready to give whatever is necessary? Can you touch a little bit of your, of your pension, your social security expense? I don't know how you call them. We don't have that. <laughs> Though you might not have them either <laughs> in a few days. <laughs> so you're not going to be able to touch anything. <laughs> but are we ready to take from what God has given us to bless? Because that's why, that's, that's why we learn from our Savior. Let us pray. Lord this morning it's about you it's about it's about how you show what true dedication is in your son you show you show us how generous of a god you are in your son and you show us your son going to the end so we, we are so lost, so we can be saved and we can be joyful and we can be passionate and we can be excited and we can, we can be so blessed to have you have this abundant life. Thank you. This, thank you for giving us, you know, this message, the, the message that Luke has been writing for us today. Not to condemn us, but to give us grace and, and to, give us, to give us hope that the only way we can live like that, the way they lived, is through Jesus. So, Lord, if, if there are people today that don't have this joy because they don't have you, would you please work in their hearts? Open their eyes to see Jesus. The one that gave his life so lost people can come to you. And Lord, for those of us today that we know you, we know the Savior, but we live our lives in such a mess. So much about self and so much about us and so much about our families. Would you bring repentance in us? And you can transform us and make us useful for your kingdom, for your glory, for your sake, for the good of others. Help us not to lose our lives, but to gain them for your glory. And may other people know you because of our generosity, of our dedication, and our daily witness to you. Work through your grace in our weaknesses for your glory. Amen. Thank you again for listening to Teaching from the Word at Grace Community Church. We are located in Richmond, Michigan. You can find us online at mygracechurch.com. Please subscribe and follow us at My Grace Church. It would be greatly appreciated if you would take a moment to rate, like, 
and share this message. We want you to always remember that you are loved.